This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show, we have got an extraordinary author, a counselor, a guy that's been working for 40 years and trying to make our world a better place. And um, we're going to talk to him for the entire hour. And by the way, it's Monday morning. And Benny, Monday morning, are you still there, sir? I am still here. Yes, it is. Yes, indeed. What happened? Last week it was 80-somethings <laughs> in, in the 70s, and now it's raining in 55. What happened? October finally showed up. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with being late to the party. It's okay. <laughs> yes, it came, it showed up and is late to the party, and it has changed everything again. And now we're going into our winter winter pattern. Mm-hmm. So I want you to just relax, stay where you are, and you've got a great show for you for this hour. And it's Monday morning. Did you ever feel anxiety on Monday morning? You know, you got to go to work. You had the 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 weekend off, and and maybe you started thinking about work at seven o'clock last night. Going, oh crap, I got to go to work tomorrow, and and stuff. And you and you your your life is kind of run by anxiety. Uh, I know yours isn't, Benny, because you you actually go to work on Sunday night. Well, it's not Sunday night. Yeah, it's there's some days like you. You know, you send a log in the head ahead of time, which I appreciate, so that I'm kind of like set up when I show up here in the morning. Because I'm here, you know, like four thirty, so it's it's early for me. But I like to just start getting after it. Yes, indeed. Well, you do a fabulous job. Thank you. I want to thank you for everything that you do. Appreciate that. Um, You're very good. Well, the author that we have for this hour, his name is Foster Ruggiero. Thank you very much. And he is the author of of the book that's out is is called The Fix Yourself Handbook. But we're going to talk a a bunch about a new book that he's got coming out. You can pre-order it now. It's called The Fix Yourself Anxiety Handbook. It's bringing you out of the darkness and into a brilliant new world. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about uh, Faust. He is he's a published research author, clinical trainer, a therapist who's worked in settings that have included clinics for deaf children, prisons nursing homes, substance abuse centers, inpatient facilities, major corporations, both nationally and internationally. And he's the president of the Community Psychological Center in Bangor, Pennsylvania. Faust, how are you today, sir? It's great to be back, Kevin, and I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, you're you're welcome back anytime you like, because you're a smart guy. You You know all kinds of stuff about what's going on and i i cannot recall i'm only i'm not very old well okay yes i am i've been around for over 60 years and i cannot recall a time when in our society that is as anxious about what's going on in our country as it is today and that bleeds over into all kinds of issues both personally and professionally and what's happening in, in in your life and it can lead anxiety is an insidious thing isn't it it really is you know and that's a great word for it kevin i use that often it's one of those things that uh, you don't know you have it sometimes uh when you have it it presents in all different ways uh you try things because you think it's it, it's affecting your head it's really hitting your body first so it seems that no matter what you do it's just, it just seems so difficult to stop. 
and it it continues to grow and it just if you don't know you've got it's i i suppose it's like anything if you don't know you've got it but you're feeling a certain way you don't know how to fix it because you don't know what the problem is to begin with and that's just the key you know a lot of people will uh it'll manifest so differently in so many people's in some it'll it'll come out as fear some people will have an idea they're anxious other people are angry all the time and they think you know that's uh uh just something that's happening in their lives and they're responding to it uh you know it it just it just shows up in so many different ways uh that you know by the time you have it it's just too difficult to stop it it's the key is to learn about it understand what it is then you can formulate a plan so you can you can begin to deal with it now you've worked in a lot of different settings with yep. with working with deaf children prisons uh nursing homes substance abuse centers is there any particular segment that suffers from it more than another or is it pretty much uh, even throughout it, it you know it, and i get that question a lot well maybe this is what's making it happen uh, anytime uh, things get difficult, as we saw in the pandemic, we're going to see rises in, in anxiety. But anxiety is with us all the time. It crosses all demographics. Um, it, you know, it, 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 uh, doesn't, it, it doesn't discriminate and, and it doesn't take prisoners. You get it and you got it. And uh, so I always tell people that, you know, you watch it from the beginning. If we can get a little better at diagnosing this in our children, we can start treating them young. And, and that's what people will say. Uh, well, you know, kids don't really, they're resilient. They, uh, they, they don't, uh, they don't pick up things like anxiety. Yeah, they do. That's where it starts. It's physical. It's often um, generational. You know, it passes from generation to generation uh, and we can see it in kids. There are many signs uh, uh, that, that tell us that they have anxiety. By the time they get into teenage years and into their twenties, this thing is usually full blown and we see then substance abuse and we see anger and violence. We see all the kinds of things that are, um, th that have a tendency to, <clears throat> to present themselves from, uh, from the anxiety, but it's just that the important thing is to try to get to it early. And I will guarantee you at least one out of three kids is suffering from anxiety. Do they get that from their parents who have anxiety from their, uh, surroundings from their playmates. Where, where, where do they get, where does it come from? Well, it's all the above, but the, 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 as we say, it, we, we tend to see anxiety just like depression. We tend to see it have its run in families. <clears throat> One of the things I do when I work with people is I'll do the, the uh, you know, a pretty intense family history. And I'll say, you know, and I always find that if you come in and you say, I've got anxiety, I'm going to see mom and or dad had it, grandparents, uncles, cousins. It's, it's throughout people are, you know, it's not just uh, my uncle had, had anxiety and maybe he was on uh, anxiety medications. It's many people and there's suicides in the family. I'll ask for things like substance abuse because people think they're just going out and having a good time. Uh, and what they're doing is they're medicating, um, you know, and now we have marijuana that's legalized and people were, are really, really overusing that particular drug in order to deal with anxiety because what you know, our society's mentality, Kevin, is where, you know, if I get a headache, I take a pill. Uh, you know, I, I, if something happens, I take something for it. So the anxiety hits and I get my pen or my gummy or whatever it is out and, and, I, 
and, and, and I use the pot. And then three hours later, I feel anxiety again. So I do it again. And we find, we're finding people doing it four or five times a day. Well, you know, that's going to have in the long run, it's going to have its negative values too. So, you know, you don't treat the symptom. You, you, you go in and get the problem, or at least you get the starting point for everything. That's always the body. How does anxiety prove for those, for those that are familiar with the term, but don't really understand how it presents itself, how does it present itself and how can you identify it? Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's all, they're all different uh, triggers and it, and it depends on the people. For some people, uh, they'll tell me that it comes on slow and they can feel it starting all day long. For some people, they'll say, I'm sitting and watching TV and all of a sudden I'm in a panic. Other people say, my stomach starts to go. I can feel the, my stomach tightening and, and there I go. Uh, other people are, 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 are monitoring how they, how they speak to others and the agitation is there. What I always tell people to do is, it, it, again, it manifests physically first. It's, it's something that starts physical, goes to the emotions, and then to the brain, into the intellect, where we interpret things. And what we tend to do, since we're, we're thinking about what we feel, is we're thinking it's, you know, anxiety. people with anxiety will say something, they have mental health issues. No, they don't. Anxiety is treated as a mental health condition. It's a physical condition. So now what we do is we, we say, okay, now I'm thinking about this. I have this anxiety. So I'm going to try to do all these things to try to fix it. It's not going to happen. You get, it, it's about learning uh, how your body operates and, and learning how to deal with there, getting your body healthy, not doing the things you shouldn't do. I love when, you know, uh, people come in and they say, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I got all this anxiety and I say, okay, well, you know, let's look at your diet first. What do you do when you start in the morning? I have my three or four cups of coffee. I said, well, gee, that's not going to play into an anxious condition, is it? Uh, how about the rest of the day? Sugars? Yeah. Uh, do any of those uh, energy drinks? Well, I have one at two o'clock. I said, well, by the time you're done, you probably have a couple hundred milligrams of caffeine in your system. You think that might help. Or their schedule is off. You know, they're going to bed two in the morning and they're trying to get up for work, you know, um, and, uh, you know, when you're tired, you always are more anxious. You don't, your body doesn't have the, uh, the resources to deal with it. So the schedule's off. And then it's the things they tend to do. Last night here on the East Coast, you know, we were, uh, uh, the Phillies were playing uh, San Diego and won the pennant and, uh, and the partying started. And Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. You know, and, uh, and you know, and we do that. It was football Sunday. Everybody said, well, I'm going to relax and watch the football games. And they're up screaming and yelling and, and drinking. And by the end of the day, they're pretty well played out. The next day they're going to work. And Monday, uh, in, Monday in football season, all the employers tell me is just a difficult day to get people going. And, yep. and, and you get more back talk. You get less production. You get uh, arguments among employees, all that kind of stuff. Uh, again, because they've done all the things that bring the anxiety level up. It's learning how to deal with your body and, and, and answering the call, N not, not trying, you know, we have this idea that we could do whatever we want to do and it's going to be okay. No, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it doesn't work. We, we are subject to physical laws. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It was on Sundays during football season. If you're like, I'm a Seahawk fan. 
because I live in Seattle, and uh, there is, during the course of a three-hour game, there's ups and there's downs, and there's they score, and then you feel badly, and then you score, and then you feel good. You're euphoric when they are close to winning, and then if they lose, it affects you for the rest. At least it did me. It does. It does. Everyone will say, I always say to my wife, when the Phillies game come on, I'm kind of in and out because if I stay there too long, it's fine if I'm with me. If you're with a group of people, you can yell it out and scream it out and maybe get it out of you. But if you're, you know, home watching, it's a different story, you know? So again, so when using that example, I'll go in and out because if if the anxiety level goes way high, what do you do with it? Well, let's go get a beer. I mean, that'll help, you know, <laughs> or 10, which or 10. Right? So, you know, we, we, it's again, it's great to watch the game, have a good time, but we should, but if it gets to the point, whether it's the game or anything else in your life, your relationships or your work, whatever you do, and it's making you feel that way. And you're not doing something to correct it on that fundamental level, then there are problems. I learned when I was in my 20s that uh, when the um, Seahawks, the Seahawks were playing the the uh, Redskins and Joe Theismann was the quarterback. This is how old I am. Uh, and Joe Theismann was the quarterback. He threw a long touchdown pass. So I hit my hand on the carpet. I was lying on the floor and I broke my hand. Um, <laughs> No. It'd be worse. You could have thrown something at the TV and broke that, right? Well, the, no, the TV is important. Apparently, my hand isn't. <laughs> but the but the problem is, I I was a bartender at the time, and so, and so I was sitting there going, "Oh, this isn't good. I can't move my hand." And I'm a bartender. I'm supposed to grab bottles and and pour drinks and all that kind of stuff. So you know, the unintended consequences of of anxiety and what we do to ourselves can be really profound. It can. And again, it starts young. If you look at, I always tell people, go back in your life to when you were a kid. Did you think anxiety was there? And they'll tell me things like, yeah, I got quiet. I I escaped to my room or I I have temper tantrums and outbursts and people thought I was an angry person. Um, uh, You know, I, I, I was on the, I, I didn't want the, the, the limelight at all, but I always felt everyone was looking at me. I said, oh, those are all the things that we see with childhood anxiety. If we can catch it young. What we do is we teach people then do these things. Don't do those things. When you're young, that sets you up for the rest of your life. By the time you're in your twenties, you know, then, you know, they're coming in my office. And I always say, you know, something I've said uh, the past a couple of years, uh, when I started counseling, Kevin, Five percent, maybe ten percent of the people were on anxiety meds. Today, mm-hmm. when they come in the office, I bet I'm around seventy percent. And some of them, and that is an absolutely insane statistic. And there are some of them that have been on these medications for years, twenty years. Multi, uh, uh, one for anxiety, one to go to sleep, one for depression. You know, and uh, you know, we we are really you know in 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 a drug culture now. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but. Uh, if, if the uh, pharmaceutical companies have succeeded at anything, it's that they have now trained this public, the, our, 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 uh, our culture to say, well, if I got this, let me go get this. They go to the docs, they're quick to prescribe. Uh, and before you know it, uh, people are no longer working on themselves. They're not trying to get to the cause of the problem. They are now medicating symptoms. That never changes anything. 
That's the problem. If, if you could medicate and change uh, the cause, you'd be great. But me medication is not designed by its, by its design. It was never, ever designed to affect the cause of, of, of a problem, only to treat the symptoms. It's like, taking, it like taking pain meds. Right. Um, if you've got a, you got a back problem um, and you're taking um, muscle relaxers and pain meds because it hurts and you want to keep moving, um, it, but that doesn't solve the problem. You've got to go to a doctor. You've got to go to, to a chiropractor. You've got to go to somebody who can figure out what's wrong with your back right. and then get to the point where you can get out of pain. But the muscle relaxers and stuff, that, that doesn't work long term. Again, it wasn't designed to, you know, uh, when you take an anti-anxiety medication or medication for depression, whatever, you, you'll notice they'll tell you, you take it every so often because that's the, that's the pharmaceutical physical laws, if you will. After a certain point, it loses some of its potency. So you put the medication back in. It's called the drug half-life. Um, the problem is uh, that these, you know, you put it in, you're good, then it goes down, then your body adjusts to it. So we get a higher dose. You start with 10 milligrams, two years down the road, a year down the road, you're on 50 milligrams, you're on the highest dose of that particular thing. And so, you know, what does that medication do to your body over time? Um, you, you're going to hear things like anxiety meds and uh, meds for uh, depression, if you use them properly, they're not addictive. No, that's not the case. If you stop them quickly, you'll know how addictive they are. You will go into withdrawal. I don't care what your dose is. Um, so, you know, they treat symptoms, they cause problems. I'm not saying, again, not to take them. Usually when people come into the, to the office and um, they're on an anxiety med, our goal is, you know, we say, let's just stay on that. Let's work through, let's find the cause. When we find the cause and we make some changes, then we'll work with your doctor to alleviate that, you know, to, to take that medication out of, out of your plan. At that point, things get a whole lot better. But until that time, and people have been treating symptoms, there, there's not a whole lot we can do. And the other problem is you're treating symptoms. You're not treating the cause. You're still going to get some of those other things you don't want, like the anger and, and the resentments and the relationships that were destroyed. Uh, and the substance abuse and all those kinds of things. And when you get substance abuse in the picture and you're telling people, well, we're going to put you on the medication, you know, there aren't, it's unfortunate, but not enough of the docs will say, are you, is there a substance abuse? How many, how much alcohol are you drinking every day before I put you on Xanax or Ativan or something like that? Because it's a double whammy and you, that's where suicide often comes from. I'll wash my Xanax down with my bourbon. You know, I just accelerates the process and there I go, uh, you know, so it's just, it's, it's not only if the medications are there, they're, they're uh, not prescribed the way they should be. They're not monitored. Again, doc puts them on the medication. I'll see you in a month. Uh, and, and with medicine, the way it is today, it may take a month just to get in. And if you miss your appointment, you may be two weeks or three weeks back till you get the next one. So, you know, the whole system is broken. <clears throat> Does this conversation ever happen in a doctor's office? Yes, my with I have docs I work with and, and who are good, you know, good at what they do, and and they will monitor and they'll call me, and I'll call them, and so you know that's the other thing. If if you're prescribing medicine and you're a doctor, I really believe you have to have a counselor or someone who is talking to that person to uh, help them through uh, at least once a week. 
Um, and, and when the docs do that, that that's where your rate of success goes up. Uh, but most of them, you know, they're a little more proprietal than that. And they say, no, uh, you come in, I'll give you this. Well, I don't really know about sending you anywhere. Everybody's got a liability issue. I don't want to send you there. If that doesn't work out that I'm the guy that sent you there and the lawyer comes after me. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's a vicious circle that, that, that never stops. So I'm what happens is they, they, you go to the doctor's appointment and they'll say, how, how, how are you feeling? And, well, you know, I was feeling better, but now I'm not feeling quite as good. I said, well, maybe we need to up your dose. And, and so then that, so they up your dose and then you're feeling better. And then, but it, that, that's a kind of a chronic system that continues to go on, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and as you're talking, you know, it, 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 anyone listening should have be saying, okay, the person comes into the doc's office, says, doc, it's not working again. The question is why? Let's talk about what you're doing. Let, let's talk so I get more information. However, now you're a doctor in practice and you've got three times the patients that you can see in a day. So I'm going to give you five to seven minutes, maybe. Uh, or if you're a doctor and this is really where it gets bad and you work for a hospital, they will tell you how many people you have to see in a day. Uh, and they're often involved with the pharmaceutical companies. So your goal is to get so that whole thing now has a business approach to it. No one likes to say that. Um, but, you know, you know, someone comes to my office and says, well, the medicine, you know, it's not working. And I, I don't go say, well, call your doctor and let's get a, you know, let's double it. <clears throat> I'm going to say, let's talk about this first. Now, in the end, we may say, go uh, get to the doc, you know, because this medicine, your, your body's metabolized this, it's not working well. But that's only after I've really looked into it. You know, we, we, we've talked now for almost an hour and I, and at the end I might say, okay, let's try this. Or I might say, hold on, you know, maybe your body doesn't assimilate medicine very well. It doesn't metabolize it properly. So you may be, you may not be a candidate for medicine. And, and we see that where the person comes in and they, and by the time I've been seeing them for a year, the doctors tried five medications. Well, okay. Something's wrong here. Right. You know, and that person's really getting now getting beat up on the medication and, and, and as one fails, you're building more failure into that person's life. Up goes the anxiety. You know, it's a vicious circle. It's a vicious circle, but it's but it doesn't have to be. No. Well, I want to down with the person and really open up their lives and let's get to all the features, all the dynamics of, of your world, your family, your life. Let's talk about it. Almost always there is a you know that there is a cause and there are are are, are ways we can fix that, but people aren't taking the time and now now to make matters worse probably 60 70 percent of all the counseling being done online so now i'm not even looking at you i don't see your body language um i you know i don't it, it's one of those things where we tune in and there you know as you and i are talking if you and i were doing an in-studio um interview today the dynamics would be completely different yeah yeah you know so we're losing that closeness that 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 uh, part of, of the counseling experience that is just that personal part that's so important to getting into things uh so now we're complicating the problem uh it's financially better for the counselor it's easier nobody leaves their home everybody thought thinks my god it's revolutionary no it isn't we've taken a giant step backward in our treatment uh, in our mental health treatment it is really easy for me to lie to you when you ask me how much alcohol i'm drinking over zoom 
Because sure it is. You can't see my body language. You can't see the the sweat on my brow when I'm lying to you, sitting there, and all that right. kind of stuff. That's right. so. It's a completely different thing. So right. I can't see the color of your eyes. I can't. Is there any bloodshot there? I can't see your is your, is your leg twitching. I can't see a lot of things. I, you know, I mean, and when we're, when I go back into graduate school, we were trained. I mean, there was part of a class where we, we studied body language and, and how that is going to be incorporated in, in the information gathering and treatment process in counseling. They're not, you might as well toss that, those courses out because you're not going to see it online. Nope. Well, you know, and the other thing that, uh, and well, correct me if I'm wrong, because I have heard that if you in this course to become a physician, that nutrition is takes a really a back seat to all of it. And maybe you get a quarter uh, in, in, in the six years that you're training to be a doc, you might get a quarter of nutrition um, rather than but everything else is chemicals. Um, is that true? It's the medical approach It's studying the body and knowing how to diagnose and then being able to prescribe the treatments necessary. Uh, nutrition is a part of it. But what we're finding is that um, there's a, considerably more training available in the holistic approaches where, where we're incorporating meditation and, and, and nutrition and, and breathing exercise, those types of things. As well, you know, and as well as we're, we're using herbal preparations and natural components that the body can uh, can assimilate better. The problem with that is we become a culture again, drug dependent, so that those approaches take a little longer to work, and we become quick fix. So we we do that, and we say, well, that didn't change anything. While it's sort of I always, the, the the analogy I always use is a diabetic who comes in and says, well. I've got diabetes, but I take, you know, I have insulin. And then when he, that person wants to eat more of the wrong things, they take more insulin, uh, you know, and I say, well, wait, stop. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's there to, to fix a problem, not to allow you to go hog wild and do what you want to do on, on these things. Uh, well, they've, they've proven that, um, I, I don't know who they are, but I've seen it myself where if you are a type two di- diabetic, and uh, you're overweight, and uh, you change your diet, and you work to get back into shape, and you really make these changes, you can actually really make diabetes go away. You can take a, a diabetes, again, it, it, it's a physical thing that some people are just going to have. I've seen thin people, that, and it's there, but the majority of people with diabetes are overweight, uh, are not eating properly, do not exercise, do all the wrong things. Our culture, again, quick fix, not only meaning fix problems, sometimes quick fix means, uh, but I love that cake and I love the soda. And, you know, that's a fix for me. You know? and, and I say to people, well, just don't have it anymore. And they look at me and say, that's not easy. I said, well, you don't go to the, you go to the store, you don't buy it in the store. It's not going to be in your house. And they'll say, oh, I'll go out and get it. Uh, so, you know, so that pleasure principle is, is huge. Um, and it, unfortunately, it plays into anxiety. Uh, it, w- we're doing all these quick fix things, and we don't take the time to say, you know what? My, I'm. Let, let me let me just stop here for a moment and, and give you a, a psychological component we call habit formation. Uh, habit formation is habituation, is normalizing. The brain gets used to whatever we do, and it tries to accommodate. So it's going to accommodate 
addiction. It's going to accommodate the uh, feeding the, the demon, all those things we do to make anxiety worse. It's going to accommodate and we're going to continue to do it. But the brain will also accommodate if we try to get healthy and we will be happy. That's what the brain does with habit formation. It makes us happy doing what we want to do. So if we change it around and put exercise and a good sleep schedule and the proper diet and get away from all that junk, our life will be happy. The brain will adjust and everything far more pleasure than we have right now. We just don't do that. And we go into the quick fixes and those quick fixes always lead to anxiety. By the way, we're talking with uh, Fausto Gerio. If you'd like to go find out more about him and the, about the books and pre-order the second book, which is going to be published here really pretty quickly, but you can pre-order it now. You can go to FaustoGerio.com and uh, you spell the last name. Um, spell your last name. For it. <laughs> you can do it faster than me. You I don't, don't have, have it in front. You don't have it in front of you, but I do. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't want to have anxiety over it. The website is faustrugiero.com, F-A-U-S-T, last name Ruggiero, R-U-G-G-I-E-R-O.com, all one word, lowercase. That's perfect, and we're going to take just a real quick break, and when we come back, we've been talking about, you know, having anxiety, and um, the next part I want to talk about is Let's fix it in a natural way that can be life-changing, life-affirming, and you can actually be, honest to goodness, happy on a Monday morning rather than anxious about everything that's going on in the world and what's going on in your personal life. We'll be right back. You're listening to Positive Talk Radio right here on KKNW 1150 AM. Hey there. I'm excited that you're listening right now, and if you like what we're doing here, you're going to love PositiveTalkRadio.net. On PositiveTalkRadio.net, each show, which is recorded live, is packed with positive information, with real people discussing real issues, and positive solutions that can work for everyone. I hope that you'll join us on PositiveTalkRadio.net and listen to all 340-plus shows. I think it's worth your time. But then, that's just me. That's PositiveTalkRadio.net, your home for great progressive positive podcasts. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. Now through New Year's Eve, here's your exclusive bonus for being our appreciated listener. Type in promo code Positive Talk Radio at checkout to receive $20 off your order. Our gift to you for being here with us today. AnaturalDesign.com These days, it's difficult to be able to do it all, especially as a small business owner. Marketing your business can be really tough, especially developing a presence on social media, creating commercial content, and media production. That's where KMmedia.pro can help. You see, in addition to creating a great podcast called Positive Talk Radio, we also have a radio show, video, audio production, content creation, including commercials, video shorts and trailers, voiceovers, social media development, and so much more. It only makes sense to hire a pro to get your business notice. That's what we do. Please visit kmmedia.pro for more information and to schedule a consultation to take your business stream to the next level. That's kmmedia.pro. Yes, we can.
And welcome back to Positive Talk Radio for a Monday morning. I'm so glad that you're here. We've got a great show for you today. Our guest is uh, Faust Ruggiero, and he is a counselor. He's a therapist. He's got a couple of books out. And one is talking about anxiety. And we've been talking about that for the last half hour. And so now I want to set myself aside and have uh, Faust tell us, okay, so we figured out that we've got it. We're not happy. Our life is full of stress and it's full of anxiety. And we're, then we turn on the radio and we uh, watch the news and we get more anxious about, about the situation in the world and all of that kind of stuff. And then it just seems, seems like it's overwhelming sometimes. How do we fix it? How do we, how do we take control? Uh, Kevin, people will come in and that's the first question. Let's get this fixed. I want this out of I want this out of me, they say. Uh, and the first step is almost you're taking a step backward. And, and by, what, by that, what I mean is we're going to go back and get that uh, social history, that in-depth life history of yours first. That's it. The first thing we're going to do. I'll get all the information I need. The next step is just what we kind of concluded with in the last segment, which is we're going to start purging. And what I mean by that is we're going to remove elements from your life that don't work. Um, those could be uh, the way you, you're eating. They could be those what's going in your body that's causing anxiety. They could be toxic people in your life. Um, there's all the, all the components that go into it, that feed that demon. We're going we're gonna to define what all of those are. <clears throat> when, when we do that, we're going you know, to either, either adjust them or we're going to remove them. You know, it, it gets most difficult when we're talking about family, obviously, um, but that doesn't mean that to remove family members it just means you have to learn how to set and defend boundaries. But we're going to do all of that first, because if I try to move you ahead and say, OK, fine, let's do all these things while you're still experiencing and or doing all those other things, you know, we're just going to we're, we're just going to have these uh, things cancel each other out. So we're going we're to remove some things first. We're going to determine if short-term medicine would be necessary. By short-term, I mean you might go, you might deal with that for two or three months just to get you over the hump. But I'm not looking for long-term if we don't have to. Um, we're, it, we're going to get family members in if we need to. We, you know, again, uh, if we have some things that we need to change and, and family members are interested enough to do so, let's make that part of it. And, and then we're going to start really putting the plan together i will guarantee you it's it's going to go physical first i get it we're going to get in there and determine uh, how this thing manifests what triggers it how it runs through your body to your emotions to your brain uh, where, where you're trying to interpret it so i want so i'm going to give you a really in-depth education about what two things what anxiety is in general but more specifically what your anxiety is all about anxiety is essentially a physical thing that hits the nervous system and just tears our lives up but we all experience it just a bit differently which is why you'll hear people say well no one understands me <clears throat> even people that have anxiety they don't understand what i'm going through okay i'm going to also teach you how to communicate about your anxiety because if you want people to understand you and fix this and, and help you fix it then you've got to get better at communicating what's going on the more you understand, the, the more dots you can connect, 
the better you're going to be to communicate what's happening about your situation. And then the treatment plan we put together is designed specifically for you. That's, that sounds like a really good program. And, and uh, it also makes it, doesn't it make the people that you're working with that are stand, sitting there in front of you, doesn't it make them feel like they're being heard? That they're, you're actually working with them to attain something positive rather than the doctor comes in, how you feeling? Okay, well, we'll up the prescription and see it next month. Um, it's like, but, 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 you know, uh, but so you, you actually give them the opportunity to be heard so that they can fix themselves and the problems that they have. Kevin, anxiety causes people to feel alone, isolated, misunderstood, and kind of cast aside. That happens because we don't validate, you know, um, our children. It starts, and I mean, it starts when we are young. Yep. <clears throat> this isn't, you know, just adults. Uh, by the time someone's in their teenage years, approaching 20, they have already have now defined themselves as a weaker person with anxiety who no one understands, no one's willing to listen to, and no one's going to help. So they're out, kind of fresh out of hope already. We start when the kids are young. We start by the first step is validating them. Uh, it, we see differences in behavior. They're aggressive. They're, um, they're isolating. They're argumentative. Um, they, they don't seem to be focusing well. There are all these little things that, that tell you they're off the baseline. This kid that I know is, is somehow different. At, that's the point where we say, let's talk. The child may not know how to express themselves. They probably don't. No, adults don't know how to do this. Children don't have that language built up yet. So we're going to just talk to them. We're going to tell them what we see, that we're here, um, that you know, maybe uh, things aren't as, as, as good as you'd like to be, and, and we're, we're, we're here, uh, here to help you. We start with the validation process. We get them to talk. We get them to talk in a safe place where they trust the person who's looking at them and and uh, and, and uh, wanting to talk to them. Uh, we are affectionate. We are um, people who are interested in what they have to say. And even if we don't agree, we don't quite say that yet because we don't know enough about how they're feeling to disagree. Mm -hmm. So we have to we have to really help them define that. When we do those things, kids respond. When I yeah, parents parents come in and um, and that my my child has anxiety and and she's nine years old, <clears throat> and I and they say, well, you know, how are we going to deal with this? And I say, well, all I want you to do is, mom or dad, is sit down there and sit here and watch me. <clears throat> now I start talking to the kid, and invariably the child begins to open up. And, and the question almost every parent says is, why didn't you tell me that? It says, <laughs> you didn't ask me. <clears throat> okay. And, and you look at that and say, it was it that simple. I said, all I did, I didn't try to go to the problem. You can't go there. Mom and dad, you're not going to fix it. All you want to do is make sure the child says, it's safe to talk to these people. I'm not going to get judged. They're not going to try to throw some solution, some quick fix thing. You know, at me, they're interested. How do they know that you don't want to leave and you don't want to get it done quickly and you don't put them in a position to say, ah, oh, come on now. That's not that bad. You don't say those things to a child. 
but but that's what that's why when you're talking to the child and the parent suddenly is saying, well, why didn't you tell me that? It's because of the reaction that they were going to get from the parent that Correct. they didn't want to have. Correct. And by the time a child wants to present that, they have a, a, a communication dynamic with their parent. And they know before they bring it out, they have an idea what's going to be said. You know, dads have a tendency to be a little more abrupt. Ah, yeah, come on, you're stronger now. You can get over that. Ah, come on, tough it out here. It's going to get better. Moms will say things like, well, I know, but it'll get better. Let's just do something. And maybe they even do something to try and help, but they, it's interpreted as being, the child being blown off, so to speak. So all you want to do... If, the first thing, and this is what we do in, in therapy. My first, if you came to me and, and you say, these are all my problems, I'm not going to say, here's the things I want to do to fix them. I'm going to make sure you feel comfortable talking. I want to know that when you're leaving the session, you want to come back, that anytime you have something going on, uh, you are, you're willing to come to me. And, you know, it's interesting as a therapist, Kevin, I, most therapists, you see them once a week and then whatever, they all have my number. They call. It could be two in the morning. It could be, you know, late at night. I could be on vacation. The commitment is there all the time. I, I, I don't have set office hours outside of that hour you and I speak, uh, speak. They know that it's safe and they can call anytime. And I ask parents, do your children know that? Yeah. Do they have to figure out when it's okay? You're, you're, you've worked, you know, and you're tired and you're sitting down and watching TV and, you know, so the child comes to you and says, mom, dad, I have to talk about something. No, right, right. Not right now. Wait till the commercial comes on. <laughs> oh, and they, and people do this. Of you know, course. I, yes, they do. You know, I've done that. You're a child. You've got this thing. Now what, what's happened is you're the child. You mustered up all the courage to go out there and say, mom, dad, something's wrong. I need you. And they said, not now. Well, it, it, let, let's just, you know, and, and then they, and then when, when that commercial's on or the show is over, the parent may or may not even remember that the child came over. Right. You're the kid. You were just told, look, you're not important enough for me to stop what I'm doing. You're not going back as, as adults, we have to kind of, uh, get to the point where we're willing to put ourselves on the line anytime. And, and we really have to learn how to enjoy being with our kids. Uh, parents have gotten into the adult self-care and all the things they believe uh, are, are their rights and they're entitled to and things they have to protect. The only thing we have to protect is our children. You know, and the, and the thing is, is that uh, we can, we tend to forget that our mom and dad, when they had us, were in their early, mid-20s maybe, and maybe at the latest 30. And and so they, they weren't very old themselves, didn't have a lot of life experience, so they were, they were depending upon previous things. And let me, t can I tell you a story real quick that I've been, sure, absolutely. that I was thinking about? Um, when I was growing up, my mother, whenever we did something that was really good, she would want to not... She wouldn't want us to get a big head by, by saying, oh, that's really good. You did a great job. She would say, you, that's really good. You did a great job, but you could have done this better. You could have done that better and, and so forth. So it, it um, defeated the purpose of even giving you the compliment because then it was followed up by a but. And so, so fast forward, I'm uh, 17 years old. I'm on the football or the baseball team, and I'm playing right field. And uh, there's a guy on second base, 
and um, there was a high fly ball hit to right field where I was, and it was way back, but I had a real strong arm, and so I caught the ball and threw it to third base, and um, we tagged the guy out, and we all uh, ran into the dugout. And rather than when the coach came by and he said, that was a great throw, good job, rather than me saying thank you, I said, I'm sorry I didn't hit the cutoff, man. Because when you're when you're out that far out, that. and so I was taught not to believe in the good things that I could do that were good and by themselves, I had to add in. Well, I must not be that good because of X or or there's. Does that happen to a lot of folks? <laughs> am, am, first of all, am I right in that? Was that was that the consequence of what I was told when I was a kid? Yeah, yes, it was. You know, and. Uh, we do that to kids all the time. I have parents do it in the office where I'll stop them. I say, did you hear what you just said? Um, and, and the kid is a pain. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, if, if I can't get your attention by doing something positive, uh, I, you know, I'll break the vase because maybe you what happened? You know, and then I can get you to say, you know, I'm having all, all the, I, I, to listen, I'm sorry, I have, I have all these problems. We just simply have to have conversations with children. That's where, that's where we're going to start to fix this. I watched the pandemic and, and I watched the adults behave like children and be angry and go at each other. And uh, everyone else in the world was wrong and they were entitled to whatever and it didn't happen. And uh, instead of working as a team to, to get this, themselves through this, they were going at each other. To, and I watched, I said, I, wonder what the kids are like and then I thought well I'm gonna know when uh, 2022 comes back if we're back in school kids are back in school now and teachers now in where I in this area uh, are saying that they want to retire they want to get out of it uh, what's what has come back to school is loaded with anger is loaded with um, uh, resentment in your face fights all the time that were never there before uh, country schools behaving like they were, you know, inner city urban places. Um, we have taught children to become angry and to become violent because we don't sit down and talk with them and say, you don't have to do all that. I got you here. That violence, that anger, will be traced back to the anxiety they have and how they were taught to deal with it at home. And those children will turn into people who go into puberty and feel that hormone change and it exacerbates them. Then they'll be mid-teens and the social pressures on kids today, social media and the bullying. You know, we, we are so conscious about bullying today, but it's at its it's at its peak. It's never been this bad. Uh, kids going at each other horribly. Uh, then those people go to college and we're thrown into a world they cannot uh, address. We're not given the skills to do that. Now the drug abuse and the suicides really pick up. And if they get out of that, they're into adulthood with absolutely no skills to deal with anxiety. So we go to the doc and we get medication. And that's what happens. That's the routine in our nation. All we have to do is stop the process when they're young and sit down and talk with them. 
They may still have anxiety, but we have a handle on it. We have, uh, we have an understanding. We have validation that, that the person is worthy of other people listening to them and, and hearing what they have to say. And we have kids that are understanding how to accept love and that it's safe enough to express yourself, even if what you're expressing is a little bit off the beaten path, that's okay. You're okay. If we start it then, we're going to have a huge handle to fix this as we get, as we go through life. And the sad part is that there are parents out there that don't think, because the, when they were growing up, that wasn't part of their youth. Their parents didn't ever talk to them. And so it becomes a generational thing. And so there are parents that will say, no, he's just a kid. Don't you don't need to bother talking to him. Just, you know, this is what he needs to do. And he needs to toe the line and he needs to just do what we tell him to do. And I don't want to, I don't want to debate with my child. I don't want to have a conversation with them because it always turns into something that, you know, I want to be in charge and I want to be the boss and, and but long-term it doesn't work very well. Not only that, we talk about peer pressure, Kevin, we also have adult pressure. I don't want anyone to think my kid can't. My kid's supposed to excel. I don't want to admit that he or she could have problems. You know what? That's okay. Whether your child has problems or whether your child is excelling or anything in between, that person, and that is a person, is your child. Love them. Not, don't worry about what they're doing or not doing. Don't worry about whether they excel or they're, you know, uh, they're getting trophies or whatever it may be. Just let them know that when you come into my space, I am thrilled that you are here. Everything will take off from that point. So wonderful message. I hope people will listen to it. Do people that uh, come to your practice, uh, the parents, do you get any pushback? No, I really don't. Um, they're looking, they're desperate for solutions. And when they see that happening in the counseling session, then they say, okay, there is hope. Then they start asking questions. Well, what should I do? And then I give them that type of advice. Start there. You don't have to solve the problem. They're not asking you to solve the problem. They're just asking you to love them. That's all. You know, it's it's interesting that you say that because I know that one of the places you've worked is substance abuse centers. And, uh, and, uh, you've worked. You've worked with people that that are suffering from substance abuse. My brother-in-law had a cocaine problem, so they, he went into rehab, and through the counseling process, a lot of things came out about his childhood, about what happened with his parents, and and so forth. So they invited the parents in to talk to them and the, him at the same time. They refused. I don't need to be so psychoanalyzed by a shrink because I'm a good parent and I didn't do anything wrong. So they didn't even go. And subsequently that child turned into a man, that man committed suicide at 42 years of age. And we see a lot of that. You know, if I could um, just say one thing to parents, because you know, I always get this, uh, how, why are they listening to you? I said, look at what I'm doing here. I'm looking at them. I'm enjoying, I laugh with them. I make, I make the counseling session fun. I let them know that not only do I love and care about them and I want to help them, I let them know that I love being with them. And, and, and that message 
is so invaluable, particularly the kids with anxiety. I'm not broken. I'm not doing things wrong. They do not only do, will they help me, they really like being around me. You know, take your adult relationship. If your spouse gives you that kind of message, utopia, oh, we have marital bliss. A kid, this you know, fragile little person learning how to navigate through life just wants somebody to hold on to. If we do that, we start the process to changing anxiety into a condition that can be communicated, can be talked about, can be accepted, and, and then treated from that point. It's not rocket science, Kevin. It's just good old-fashioned you know, love from one person to another. And the beautiful thing about that is it doesn't take any training. Nothing. You can do it without having a degree. You don't have to go to school to learn how to be kind and to listen. All you have to do is to sit there and listen. If you're actually listening and not talking about, you know, what, what, what you're going to say next to, to, uh, um, to what the kid is saying, if you're actually listening to what they're saying, you can get something done. And, that, and every parent, I think, should be willing to do that. And uh, uh, by the way, Faust, I want to thank you very much for being here. Uh, Faust Ruggiero uh, has been our guest for this entire hour. Uh, he's got the book that's out now is called um, The Fix Yourself Handbook. Uh, it's an award-winning book. Pick that up, and then the, when the new one comes out, you can you can pre-order it now. And but you can um, when the new one comes out, that'll be great to have as well. And uh, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. It has been my uh, pleasure, Kevin. It always is. Now I'm going to do this because I've got just two minutes left, or three minutes, I think, somewhere in there, maybe two and a half. I'm going to set myself aside. I would like you to tell the person in our audience that is still listening to you that started with our hour because this is an important topic for them. I want you to tell them anything that you feel they need to know. You know what, Kevin, the best way to end this is uh, uh, for the adults, if you have anxiety, be willing to treat the cause. Also, try if you can to get some help, move away from that old uh, feeling about yourself that uh, there's no hope and uh, you know, your life will never be positive and you're never going to be happy because there is a way through this. Uh, as far as for your kids, uh, you know, it, again, it doesn't take a degree to do this. Um, don't worry about whether you think you're a good parent or bad per parent. Uh, the only good, the only thing about being a good parent is to be there. That's all. Be there for your kids. If your kids need help and it's a professional counselor you need, so what? Go do it. None of this says you're doing the wrong thing. This is a problem that's been around uh, with us for centuries. We haven't beat it yet. It's not that you did anything wrong. Go get help. There are people like myself, there are many of us willing to listen. Start at home by listening to your kids. Sometimes you start with your kids and you listen and you feel that love in your family and then starting that move with your kids fixed your entire family because everybody comes aboard feel worth it because you are that sentence that you just said may be for some of us the hardest thing to accept that we're actually worth it we are everyone is everybody's god's creation kevin and i happen to believe that we are all one we're all connected and we all deserve to have the best things in life and uh, if you go see uh, Faust 
or another counselor. He can't take care of everybody. There are 380 million people or 40 million people in the United States. He can't do it all, but you can go find a good one and uh, do that, please. Afast Ruggiero has been our guest, and I want to thank you again for being here, sir. AfastRuggiero.com. Go find him. Go get the book. And I want to thank everybody. We'll be back Wednesday at 4 p.m. By the way, be kind to one another because, you know, each other's all we got. We'll see you next time on Positive Stuff Radio.